All right, three to seven can cut loose. <clears throat> Children's Church, everybody else open your Bible to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. <clears throat> i got a lot to cover this morning, and I'm going to do it in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm going to jump right in. Getting started in this is going to be the hardest part for me. Once we get going, it'll be, hopefully it'll be good for you. You know, we, we, the people that my wife and I talk to a lot and try to talk to about the Lord, seems like there's a lot of people today who have a lot of questions, both in, in the church and outside, believers and unbelievers, and, um, I'm a question asker and I try to answer the questions with God's Word. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about a big word this week is, uh, sanctification. It doesn't mean that you're holier than everybody else. Basically what the word means in simple layman terms is to be set apart. Uh, sanctification is, is, is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer that, that transforms us, uh, from who we were to who, uh, the Lord would have us to be. Uh, it's a transformation of the life we are or were living into the life that Jesus has for us to live. Uh, and here's the thing, if you're a born again believer, God is the Holy Spirit, that's His job, that's what He's gonna do for the rest of your life, He's going to, to set you apart, okay, I'm not talking about from the world and from lost people, but He is gonna set you apart unto Himself, at the moment you trusted Jesus, whether you know it or not, you became His, He owns your life, because He gave His life for you, He purchased you, redeemed you, and he is the Lord of your life. If he's, if he's not, you're probably not saved. And so in that, um, some of the questions, I'm going to just read several questions that you probably won't remember, so you have to go back and listen later. Uh, but in this, in this message, some of the questions I asked was, number one, what is God doing in my life? What changes is he producing and why? What is the process that he's going through and what does it produce? Here's the question. What do I really desire? You know, as God's people, we need to answer some questions of, what do I really desire? You know, is my desire to try to live just a normal life like the rest of the world, you know, to have a job, take care of your family, you know, live that live that life and hopefully, you know, die and go to heaven? Or is your life, have you been, here's my thing, have you been so impacted by what Jesus has accomplished for you, the, the, the forgiveness, the mercy, His goodness, eternal life, His love, outpouring, restoration, healing. I could go on and on. Shouldn't that impact us so much as believers? Shouldn't we be so overwhelmed by the presence and the goodness of God that not one of us have done one thing to deserve, yet God in His love and His grace pours that out in our lives, offers it to us fully paid through the blood of Jesus, and gives us those things out of His His great love for us. Shouldn't that do something to us to go, Lord, I just want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to tell people about you. I believe the gospel. I believe it's the only way people are going to avoid the day of wrath. 
I believe it's the hope. I believe it's life. I believe it, it brings marriages together. It builds incredible families. It, it changes people's lives. God, that's what I want. And, and I want to be a vessel. I want to be a person, not just to be average God, but I want you to take and do whatever it takes in my life so that when I stand before you, people don't see me, but they saw you. You know, because if you think about this, um, quick story. This was my wife and I's 28th anniversary on Saturday, and that's awesome. And that's glory to Jesus, because without without Him, I'd wrecked it. And we'd had about five, <clears throat> but we got 28. And anyhow, we was watching TV. We stayed over in Tyler, and we just watched TV. We don't ever watch TV, but uh, we was watching some show, um, Shark Tank. You know what I'm talking about, Shark Tank? Come on, y'all watch TV, okay? It's where they bring their little ideas and they got four or five rich billionaires that they try to convince them if they'll invest in their deal. And these, these people who have billions, you know, I'm thinking I'd have quit a long time ago when hunting. But anyhow, they got all this money and then the people who are presenting their ideas, you can see it's like that is their whole purpose in life wrapped up in in trying to come up with something to make millions because they believe in their heart that if they can come to a place where they're making millions that they will have attained everything that they're looking for and then I look at the billionaires who've already attained it and they're like their only thing they can focus on is making another dollar and another dollar. But here's the thing I saw. I thought, you know, if I had an idea like that, if I was standing there and they say, we want to invest in it, I don't think I'd do it to tell you the truth because here's the thing. It has to become your life. You have to be so passionate that you just want to give everything, invest all of your time, your efforts, you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to make that much money so you can have what you think that it will produce. And while I was watching, I thought, what would God do with the people who had a passion like that for the gospel? What if we loved Jesus so much? What if I loved Jesus so much that I thought, Lord, I, I, I don't care what you got to change, what, what I've got to do, but Lord, I believe the gospel in so much, Jesus, and I love you so much that I just want to, I want it to consume my life. That's the heart the church ought to have. That's the heart every believer ought to have if you truly look at the sacrifice Jesus made to give you what you, what you have. So what is what do I really desire? How can I obtain that? Some of us don't desire the Lord this morning. We just want to be honest. What will it cost me? What will be the outcome if I choose to pursue that? Is what I have been doing producing what I hoped? It's amazing to me how many people we see that live in misery today and their their life is just eat alive with that. Or they've got certain areas of their life that's falling apart. And my wife and I uh, talked to some different people this week, and and one person said, well, you know, I would have to, uh, it was talking to them about Jesus, and they said, you know, I'd have to give up a lot of stuff. And my question was, so is what you've got producing what you, I mean, you're, you're, you're sitting here telling us you're miserable, so obviously what you're chasing after and you think so good isn't giving you what you hope for, you know, and and... You know, honestly, as I'll say this, as, as somebody I've walked with the Lord, seen God time and time again in my life, God is so amazingly good. You know, I just go and I, and I ask them that. What does the world have to offer that can compare to what Jesus gives freely? 
mean, what have you got in your life that you look at? Because that's that's what we've tried to make Christianity out to be is something where, oh, if you want Jesus, you got to give up all that fun stuff and all that stuff that brings you so much happiness and all that stuff that just is so awesome in life. And then you just go to church and get weird. I mean, I'm thinking that that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. That means what you what you have if you don't have Jesus is death. He said, I've come to give you peace and joy and hope and purpose and Satan's come to kill and to steal and destroy. So in my brain, I would have to think, you know what? If what I've got going and what I'm chasing after and trying to live for is not producing what I'd hoped for, especially over a period of time, maybe I need to make change. And that's the word I want to focus on this morning because here's the thing. A lot of people don't want to change. Most of us don't want to change if we're honest. But there's a lot of people who don't want to change because they believe, number one, they don't need to change. They believe what they have is good, even though they've never tasted what is good. They've never experienced what God has for them. They believe their life is good. And even if it's not, they believe sooner or later, if I continue to try to do what I'm doing, then I will obtain what it is that I'm looking for. But the problem with that is I've met very, very few of those people. Now, when we look in the scripture in Genesis chapter 32, it's the story of a man named Jacob. I'm going to give you this real quick. You can go back and study previous chapters in your own time. He was the twin brother of Esau. Jacob was born. His name means deceiver. Okay, and that's what he was. He lived up to his namesake. He he deceived his brother two different times. He deceived his father to get the things that he was desiring. Okay, those things cost him to have to run for his life. Esau, his brother, wanted to kill him. And Jacob takes off running from his own choices in life that it brought that. It separated from his family, brought a lot of misery in his life. But along the way, God intervened. Okay, and God saved him and changed him. Now, the, the, here's the part of the story because this this story so um, resonated with me. The Lord saves him <clears throat> a couple of chapters earlier at a place called Bethel. It actually means the house of God. He saved him. Okay, and then for the next fifteen or sixteen years, Jacob continues. It, there's a change because the presence of the Lord is with him. But as far as his character, he continues in a lot of ways to still live out that deceiving, conniving character where he was all about living for himself, things that he could attain. You know, he goes and, he, and he's also about, all about business and money and stuff and, and all of these things that he's living over here in a foreign land, totally away from what God's perfect plan is for his life. And over there he experiences through all of this, his way, living by his ways, okay? The cool thing was the Lord was with him the whole time, okay? But in that he had issues with his family. He had issues with his business. He had issues big time in his marriage. And on all of these things and issues with his enemies that finally brought him to a place after about 15 years that he had to run again. His life was one where he never wanted to face the real issue. And the real issue was what was going on inside of him. Even though the Lord had transformed him and saved him, okay? Here's the thing. In your life, if you trusted Christ your Savior, at the moment you trust Christ your Savior, there is a title transfer. Just like if you sell your car, there's a title transfer, and Jesus is now the new owner. Now, your car might be a wreck and need to be restored, and if you're a born-again believer, there's a change that takes place inside of you that's immediate, immediate and eternal. Okay, God, God bought you, purchased you, redeemed you. 
And at that point, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. He is the life that raises your dead spirit man to life. And he starts a work that he is absolutely committed to. And that work is he wants to make every one of us just like Jesus, to give you the heart of Jesus so that we have the life that God wants us to have, not only here, but ultimately with him in glory. And the Holy Spirit is doing that in your life. And I think that he's doing that in a lot of people's lives in our church right now because I've talked to so many people in the last couple of weeks who are at this place and some people don't even realize what's going on. And if you don't realize what's going on and if you don't look at your life, listen to me. When you read the Bible, you read it in context. You don't jump all over here and there and this and that and pick and choose because you can come up with all kind of confusing doctrines. Your life is the same exact way. You've got to look at your life and what's going on in and around it in the context of what is God doing in my life? What does this have to do with God's plan in my life? Because if you don't, you're going to come up with a lot of weird you know, thought processes about the Lord and about what's going on. You're not going to walk in the right way. And so Jacob, and I'm fixing to get to the good stuff. So Jacob's running from his father-in-law who's, who's wanting to kill him, okay, because of some of the issues that's going on. But then all of a sudden, as he's going along on this route that we're fixing to look at, one of his servants who was going ahead comes back and goes, man, I got some bad news. Laban's coming from behind, and Esau and 400 of his servants are coming from this direction. And so he's running from issues that his life has stirred up, and he's running from his past coming back to haunt him. And in all of that, he's, he's, honestly, Jacob is panicking. He doesn't know what to do because here's the thing. What he doesn't realize is God's just letting his own choices and his own decisions bring him to a place where God's going to put his hands on him. You know, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. When you're a born-again believer, it doesn't mean God goes, whoof, and everything gets wonderful. And from then on, the Lord's just going to do everything for you. We're people who God gives free will. We have our own choices, and our choices have consequences, even as God's people. Sometimes my choices cause great issues in my life, even after I was saved. Stupid choices, sinful choices, self-centered choices, okay? In all of that, I saw the same thing, how God went, all right? I've showed you my way. I've given you my word. If you don't want to walk in it, you know, you make your own choices. But your own choices are going to come back to haunt you. And you're going to see some consequences for this choice in your life. But God is so good. I told my wife, said, my wife said, it is amazing to me how God who is eternal. And we are just a, we are... In the, in the big scheme of things, we're just a, just a tiny speck of dust, yet God loves us so much to pursue us, to work in us, because he wants good for us, and he invests in us, and he wrestles with us, and he goes through all this process in our life that usually takes most of our life, and hopefully we get it, and by that time we die, and you know what? He starts over with the next generation. He doesn't lie. He's, the Lord's not lying. He's temporary. I ain't gonna fool him. He, he does so much to reach out to us and to give us the life that he's designed for us to have so that we see him and we live for his glory. So getting to our story. So Jacob's here. Y'all wait, say amen. All right, this message is not for the faint at heart or those who just want to come to church and sit. I'm talking to people who go, you know what? I, I truly believe the gospel. And I believe that Jesus is the only one worthy. I believe if I live my entire life totally for him, and then I lived a good life. If you if you don't have that mindset, this will make no sense to you, and you'll waste a lot of time here this morning. <clears throat> but he comes to a place, and and what he's doing is he, he, he the, the the Bible uses the term how he's distressed, and and he does what most of us do. Uh, Jacob starts off praying, and then the next thing you know, he's he's trying to appease his brother. He comes up with this idea 
about how he's going to send all these gifts ahead so that Esau will be appeased. But he never deals with the, with what needs to, he wants to always avoid and run away and avoid the change that God wants to make in his life. And I guarantee you there's people sitting all over this crowd that you have had issues in every area of your life. And a lot of times what we do is we want to do the same thing. We, we don't want to, in our marriage, we don't want to deal with the issue. And most of the time what we do is we want to, we want to appease God. We want to appease the spouse. We want to appease mom and dad. You know, all these different things. We, we want to pray. There's a whole lot of us who want to pray and we pray and we pray and pray and God's like, okay, prayer time's over. Now it's time, now it's time for a change. Repentance is more than a prayer. Okay, repentance is God changing my life and my prayer should, here's a prayer of repentance. God, please change me. Not, oh God, I'm sorry for who I am. I'm going to continue to be that person. I'm going to continue to walk this way. I'm going to continue to live this life in this way. God, forgive me. That's not repentance. Repentance is, God, I am so prideful, arrogant, hard-headed that I will not change. But Lord, I want so bad to change. And I'm asking you, you to change me. The one who molded me to begin with. The one who saved and made me a new person. God, I'm asking you to change me. Whatever that takes. Because I do truly in my heart, because your spirit is in me, I want to be a p- a pleasing to you, God. I want to honor you. Okay? If you hadn't prayed that prayer, you're probably in a bind. And so let me pick it up in, um, in verse, uh, let's start in verse 13 of chapter 32. So, so here he is. I, I, this is a long story, but he comes to a place called the Brook Jabbok. And it says, so he lodged there the same night. He took what came to his hand as a present for Esau's brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts. He was in a bind. 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foals. That's a big gift. And then he delivered them into the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said, uh, to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when he saw my brother meet you and ask you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they're your servant Jacob's. It is the present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed him in the drove saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, behold, your servant Jacob's behind us. For he said, I will appease him. With the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him as he himself lodged that night in the camp. And so again, here's Jacob living up to his name, and he's trying to handle life his own terms in his own way. I love this part because God's like, okay, it's over. You ever been to that place in your life where you've tried and you've tried and you, you keep doing the same things? Are you always shenanigan coming up knowing you ain't doing what God wants you to do? And then all of a sudden it's like the Lord brings you to a place where he goes, this is over boy, I'm fixing to put my hands on you. And he's doing it in a very merciful way. This is a good place to be. Verse 22. And he arose that night and he took his two wives, two female servants, told you he had marital issues, and his eleven sons and crossed over the four Jabuk. And he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Notice, this is where we start right here. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. 
And so here's one thing that I saw when I studied this. The word Jabok or the brook or the four Jabok means emptiness. So the things that Jacob had lived for and the life he had lived and the ways that he had lived had brought him to the same place that brings all of us who are not living like Jesus said, to emptiness. There's a lot of people sitting here today. Maybe you're at that place. Empty bed in your house. Empty home. Empty heart. Empty bank accounts. Man, when you chase after the world, it doesn't fill us up. It just empties us out. And it always brings back to a place when we've just recently talked to so many people in the last couple of weeks. Go, I'm just so empty. I do this and I, I look for this. And there's so many people who live their lives and they invest in, in all the lies that Satan projects in this great American dream. And then all of a sudden when they start attaining them, they're like, you know what? This, I'm still just as empty. I went from driving a, a Pinto to a Beamer and it's no better. I went from living in a, in an RV to a three bedroom house and I'm still just as empty. I went from this position in my job to I'm over everybody. And you know what? In reality, when I go to bed at night, my heart is still just as empty. I'm not satisfied. I don't have joy. I don't feel like I'm living my life in the way that I should. My marriage is falling apart. My family's falling apart. And what this world has to offer is always so empty. But the Lord is ready to change your life. Maybe you're, I hope to God. I know there's so many people here, and I've been there recently to where I come to a place to go, Lord, what in the world's going on? God is so good that he comes. And notice when it says there, this is a weird text, I agree. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. Now, I used to look at that until this week God showed me something. I used to think, what are you talking about? You know, the Lord, this man we read later, this is the Lord. Lord Jesus is coming to Jacob. I'm thinking, what do you do? You walk up like, hey, you want, you know, you want, like Nathan. I always want to wrestle and that kind of stuff. So, so he comes, so this is Jesus jujitsu. But when I looked at that, I thought, can you imagine, all right, you're Jacob, you're alone. Good place to be. There's a lot of people, you'll never know what God wants to do in your life because you never get alone. You never have a place where you just stop. You're still. We always want to be busy. We always want to be on the phone, social media and TV. And we all, you know, this new generation, they can't sit still. You know where God comes to you and you wrestles when you're still. Put everything away. Some of us need to take a wilderness trip where we just go out, throw the phone away. You can do that. I did it this weekend. What do you do if you miss a call? Who cares? I'm from the day of the rotodile. I don't care. I'll call them back later. I'll never get it. I'm not Jesus. You can make it without me, and people can make it without you, and you can make it without social media, TV, working, and all, and kids. You know, I don't know about Manny Jeremy, but sometimes you got to get away to where you go, Lord, if you want to speak, I want to hear. And so, so this man comes. Now, I want you to think about this whole wrestling thing, because maybe you're right there right now, and you don't even realize God's wrestling with you, because that's what happens. This man came in the dark. Why it calls it a man? Because Jay was like, I can't see. They didn't have LED lanterns. Jacob is out there and it's pitch black and it's dark and all of a sudden, dude comes up. How would you be if you was Jacob in the woods by yourself? You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden a man shows up in your heart, in your mind, you are fighting. And you're fearful. And you're confused. And this is all night wrestling match. Somebody got bruised and banged up. And you don't have a clue what's going on. And maybe there's some of you here today that that's going on in your life. It seems dark. Life is confusing. You got some fear going on. And some of us go, what in the world is God doing and what's going on? Because that's the way the Lord works. 
Understand the Lord wasn't wrestling to bring pain and hurt and, and to break like some people. God just break and he'll kill your kids and he'll give you cancer. The Lord could have killed him in a moment. Snapped him. Didn't even have to put his hands on him. When God wrestles with us, here's the thing. Jacob was all about self. Most of us live for ourselves. But the awesome thing about Jesus is he loves you more than you love yourself. And he refuses to let you settle for less than what he has for you. And when God wrestles with us, he puts his hands on us to mold us, to break us free from the things that are robbing us of life. Okay, And you'll see here, notice this. It says that he wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. Now when he saw... It's talking about the Lord when he saw that he did not prevail against him. So what, do you, what does that mean? He didn't prevail against him. It means, here's the thing. The things of God, the life that I try to speak of that God has for each one of you, it's not something cheap. The things of God, God doesn't consider what he has for your life as second to what the world has to offer. The life that God has and the blessings that God has and the purpose that God has was bought by the shed blood of Jesus, the greatest price ever paid, and they are very, very good. And he just doesn't dote them out to people who couldn't care less. We want to pray and go, oh God, give me what you have. Do this and Lord, like if I gave it to you, it would make you worse than what you are. You would squander it just like the prodigal did. You know, a lot of us like the prodigal, God gives us what he wants and we go out and we squander it and we live it in righteous living. And like, oh God, bless me and give me more. And Lord, I couldn't give you more because all it would do is cause arrogance and pride and you couldn't handle it. You don't even realize what you've been given. And so you know what God does? God wrestles us and he's like, do you really want what I have for you? Because here's the thing, salvation is free, sanctification is not. He came to give us life, salvation, that you might have life and life more abundantly. Abundant life, that's the life that Christ has for you, that's not free. That comes with a, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want the marriage that Jesus can give you? How bad do you want the life that Jesus has for your for your kids and your family? How bad do you want a ministry in which Jesus is seen and glorified? How bad do you want to be a part of people coming to Christ and being saved? How bad do you want, you know, we can go on and on in each area of life. We say, oh, we want it and we pray for it. And Lord's like, okay, it's time to stop praying. It's time for me to put my hands on you. Because your life is in no condition to receive what I want to give you. Are y'all with me? I know some of you are thinking, I don't want that. Well, then you'll never have it. Understand that. You'll never have it. I'm not willing to go through what it takes to have that kind of marriage. Then you'll be divorced, and you'll start over, and you'll be divorced, and you'll start over. Or you'll settle, and you'll be miserable. Or you'll have one of the American ministries where it's just, or an, another church. It's just an average quote. Thinking, I'm not settling for that. Okay. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. It's the worship team that gets started late. So this is good stuff. This is one of the most impacting messages in my life. I hope I communicate it just a little bit. It says that he wrestled with him to the break of day. Now when he saw he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Okay, let me give you some things. Maybe you're here this morning like, I want a, I want a life change. I know I need to change. I know I can't change. And I want God to change me. 
and you earnestly from your heart come to the Lord and you say, God, I just, I want you to change me, Lord. Let me, let me tell you what you can expect. Number one is pain. What? Y'all all seen him say that? He ain't going to. Okay? But here's the thing. You've got to endure the pain. If you want to receive the things that God has for your life, you will not receive it apart from pain. Understand that. All the way through the scripture, the scripture talks about a word we are very unfamiliar with, and that is suffering. How many of you are like me, way overweight, out of shape, tired all the time, and you don't feel nothing like you used to? You know why I feel like that and why I look like that? I don't like pain. We want, man, we, we don't want to be in shape. Why? Because it hurts. I don't want to, I don't want to go out and suck air and my lungs feels like I'm breathing gasoline. I don't want to wake up next morning and go, Ugh, I sure don't want to say no to the cake. But we, but we look at people and we do the same thing in Christianity. We look at people and go, man, I wish I had what they had. Man, I wish I, God was using me in that way. Man, I wish I saw the blessings and favor of God in my life in that way. You want to go through the pain? Oh no. Then you're going to be out of shape and you're going to be bald and you're going to feel tired and, and then the next thing you know, we're trying to take all kind of pills and everything else, magic pills and magic diets and all these different things that brings us what we hope for and it leaves us empty. Because here's the thing. There's no glory apart from suffering. There's no victories without fights. Think about this. Paul said his desire was to know him and to fellowship in his sufferings. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, I thought, why would Paul say I want a fellowship in the sufferings of Christ? Because Paul understood, I'll never know him, and I'll never have what he has for me, and I'll never see him in the way I desire to apart from suffering. No individual, no servant, no marriage, no ministry, no family, no church will ever attain the life and the glory of God in them without going through tremendous pain and suffering. You understand that? So I've never heard that before. Read your Bible. Because here's the thing. Most of us want to avoid that path. We want to go around that path. We don't want anything. But Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny self. Take up his cross, an instrument of pain, and follow me. The Lord didn't try to deceive anybody. So what was the purpose of him touching him and dislodging his joint in his socket? Anybody ever had that happen? Anybody ever been out of joint in your socket where you're totally dislodged? Anybody? Nobody in here? Well, you're blessed. I would think it would hurt. That's just my thought. <laughs> but here's the thing. So why would God bring about pain in our life? I thought the Lord was a loving father. He's a good, good father. He is. Number one, pain does produces the fear of the Lord in my life. You know, sometimes when I'm wrestling with God, I actually think that I'm controlling God. I'm going to wrestle God. I'm going to manipulate God. I'm going to bring him to the place where he sees things my way and he does what I ask. Maybe even do that just simply in prayer. And then we get mad when he doesn't. What God does, he's like, you ever wrestle with your kids? You stress my kids all the time. You ever wrestle with your kids and, and, and they think, boy, I've got him. I've got him. You're like, whatever. You know, you just two or three of them at a time. That's what the Lord does. The Lord goes, I want you to know I'm in control. And he touched the hip of his socket and it come loose. And all of a sudden, the fear of God comes in your heart to go, I know what God could do if he, if he wanted to. God can, God can smoke us if he wanted to. Which also reminds me of God, you're so merciful. When I look at my life and see how I've mocked you. 
when I look in, in my arrogance and pride since I've been a believer. And I've done my old thing. I've had my rebellious attitude towards you and towards other people in my life, God. You should have, and rightfully so could have, totally wrecked my life. But God in his mercy went, I just want you to know I'm under control. I'm in control. It's good to have a good dose of the fear of the Lord in your life. Second thing is it brings reality to our frailty. Sometimes we think we're all that. All it takes is God just one touch to bring us to a place to go, ooh, life changes in a minute. You're not in control of anything. Third thing is it's the witness of the glory of God in our lives. Pain is. Other people saw this in his life and it was a witness of what's the greatest, if I was to say, what is the greatest glory of God you've ever seen and been a witness of in your life? If you've got a brain and you don't know anything about the Lord, you would say the cross of Jesus Christ. An instrument of absolute pain and death. Pain also ultimately is to draw us close to the Lord. I want you to see this. First thing is you're going to endure pain. If you're not willing to endure pain, no pain, no gain. Okay. Second thing is, notice what happens here. It says, now when he saw he did not prevail, he touched the socket of his hip. The socket of Jacob's hips was out of joint as he wrestled. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. All right, the sun's coming up. Jacob has been fighting for his life. He's been fighting against this person. And all of a sudden when the dawn breaks and he feels that touch and he recognizes who he's wrestling with. Don't miss this. This is so good. And he says, let me go. And he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, some of you are fighting right now. Some of you question God. Why would God do this? Why is God, why are God, you're not, or you are. And you feel like you're fighting against God, and you're fighting against the life, and, and, and your life feels like a wrestling match. But all of a sudden, hopefully, when you look at your life in context, you go, this is the Lord. This is the Lord wrestling with me because he's trying to bring something good in my life. He's trying to change my character. He's trying to change my family, my marriage. He wants to, He wants good for me. Listen to me. And as a believer, when you, when you get to this point, here's the second point, you gotta stop fighting and start clinging. When Jacob looked at life in view of this is the Lord, when it dawned on him, what did he do? And he went from fighting to holding on. He's like, I'm gonna hold on for the blessing. You know why people get divorced? You know why believers get divorced? They're not willing to hold on. Not willing to go through the fight. They're not willing to hold on. You know why, you know, pick any area of your life. In the areas where you see failure and you see frustration and you see something that comes to its end, God is not something, someone who brings things to end. He brings things to life. He restores. He renews. He raises up. Okay? That's what God wants to do in your life. But you have to hold on. And if you let go, you're not going to get it. There's been a many things in my life that I could have just went, I ain't doing that. Okay? It's your life. You'll get the result of letting go. You know, there was a point in time in this church where, man, we, some of y'all was here. We was in a wrestling match. The devil was trying to do everything he could do to destroy it. And there was a lot of people who didn't hold on. And there were some who went, I'm about to point of breaking. But we held on. And you know what? After that, I saw God moving like, God, thank you for giving us a heart to hold on. Some of you got lost people in your life. You've been trying to reach. Families that are divided. You're trying to restore. And just about to you... And your wits ends. Amen. Let's be real. You know what the Lord says? I'm wrestling to change you. Not, not him or her. I want to change you. Do you think that what I have for you is willing to hold on even after you feel the pain? 
This is good. Y'all have to study this out. There's a whole lot more to this, but I'm out of time. I want to, I want to give you this. You know that you hear it all the time about people saying in church, I'm about people. I ain't going with a bunch of pew jumpers. <clears throat> That's what that is. Cedar Craig heard y'all pew jumpers. No, not actually. I think there's a lot of us here though that are altar jumpers. You know what altar jumper is? In Romans chapter 12, you know, the, you know the scripture where it says that you, you should be a living sacrifice. Sacrifice gets on the altar. It means I'm ready to die for Jesus. I'm ready to die to myself and live for the Lord in any area of my life. But all of a sudden, a lot of us, when the fire gets hot, we get off. Oh, Lord, use me. Okay, I hope you know what you're asking for. Oh, God, change me. All right, I'm going to. And when the wrestling starts and the ride gets rough, we're off the bull. The Lord said, you're never going to get it if you don't endure. The Bible said, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And that's not just salvation I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that God has for you. Finishing up, because I've lost some of you. <laughs> Let me get this right here, because this is, this is the best part. He wanted him to bless him. And notice what he says. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The Lord says, so he said to him, what is your name? He says, Jacob, it's deceiver. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel means a prince with God. How do you go from being a deceiver to being a prince with God? God said, I don't want to just bless you monetarily. That's nothing to that. What I want to do is I want to bless you and totally, radically change who you are in your sight, who you are in his sight, who you are in the world's sight. So that people see him. So he said, you will be called Israel, prince with God. How is that? For you have struggled with God and with man and you have prevailed. Some of us got some things in our life where we can stand and testify and go, I struggled. I struggled with God and I struggled with man and I held on and I prevailed and it is good. You understand what I'm saying? Four of you do. All right. So... So here's where I'm at this morning. If you're in that place, then this is on you to where you have to decide, am I going to give up? Am I going to let go? Am I going to struggle? Am I going to wrestle my way through this and hold on because I believe God is good? His ways are good. What it produces is good. God, I'm going to hold on for my kids' sake. I'm going to hold on for my grandchildren's sake. I'm going to hold on for my marriage's sake. God, I'm going to hold on for your glory's sake. And I'm going to continue wrestling until I see the blessing. And until I have prevailed and you have changed me. And then he goes on down and he says this. Then Jacob asked him, tell me your name, I pray. Verse 29, and then the next one he said, and he said, why did you ask me my name? See, you know who I am. You ever been in there in life where you came through and the Lord's like, you know who did it? Why are you even asking? This is so good. You sound so hungry. He said, then Jacob said, tell me your name, I pray. And in verse 30, or oh, no, 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 let me back. He said, why is it you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. Notice what it says here. So Jacob called the name of the place Penal. It means I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. What is the greatest blessing of going through the pain and the struggling and the prevailing? It's not so I can get this or that. It's because when you walk away, you can go, I saw God face to face. I've seen God face to face. I look all over this crowd and there are people who could stand and go, and I know you have. 
I, oh, I have seen God. I have seen God. I believe Mandy Wilson's fixing to be able to say, I've seen God face to face. She's in a struggle. Her daughter's in a struggle. And we're going to hold on and wrestle with them. That's what praying is. It's a wrestling match. How bad do you want it? Okay. But here's the thing. Think about this. There are believers. And apart from your salvation, a majority of people sitting in this crowd will never see God face to face in your life. Because you're not willing to go through what it takes to see it. Out of all the disciples that followed Jesus, because there was a bunch of them in John chapter 6, there was one point where they went, we're done with this. And he looked at the, he looked at the 12, actually Judas don't count. 11 out of all those saw God face to face. If you look at your life and you don't have a time since you've been saved, that you can say, I saw God face to face and my life was preserved, then you are missing the whole point. You're missing the greatest blessing. If you truly believe this Bible, you would have to say, my heart's greatest desire is to see him face to face. To see his grace and his mercy and his favor and his power and his glory in my life. It's not cheap. It's not easy. It's not a say a prayer thing and a genie appears. It's none of that stuff you've heard. It's reality. It's a wrestling match. It's a battle. And it is, how bad does your heart hunger for what you desire of God? And if you don't desire it, you won't find it. But this is the awesome thing. Finishing up. Notice this. In verse 31 he said, Just as he crossed over, Penal, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. You notice that? When he crossed over, some of you have crossed over. You went from being just blah. You went from living after what the things of this world has, and you've come to a place of emptiness, and you held on. Man, and all of a sudden, you saw God face to face and the sun rises on you. Beautiful picture. And your walk has changed forever. He never walked the same because God touched his life and he went through that. That's good, man. Got two amens out of that. Good. And then he says, therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle shrank. Generation after generation after generation radically impacted by a touch that God made in Jacob's life. Will you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? I've never done this, but I'm going to do it today. Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass anybody. I just want you to be real right where you're sitting.